Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Matt Price, here with Dan and Ryan. As usual, Dan, I'll throw it to you first, man. Any takeaways from Wildcard Weekend? Uh, disappointment more than anything. I, I really, the games I were was most excited to watch came on Sunday, both those games. And I thought the Ravens would play better than they did. I, you know, like if any of our listeners tuned in last week, I had the Ravens going all the way to the Super Bowl. I thought they were the team that could, that defense would step up. And man, Lamar Jackson, they were just, and we'll talk about them throughout the episode, I think. Uh, disappointing game, really, and all those up and ups and downs that we all thought he would have as a rookie and maybe think he would he will always have the the fumbles early in the game cost him and and uh, then comes through with those crazy throws and that scrambling and that stuff that's so so much fun to watch it's pulling your hair out watching Lamar Jackson so I was disappointed in the Ravens and then that Bears Eagles game although it was boring for for most of it uh came down to that kick and that was that was a lot of fun to watch too uh I had the Bears winning that one too so so I missed a couple times this past weekend I wasn't as disappointed by the Ravens because I picked the Chargers to win that game. Brian, I don't think you picked the Chargers to win that game. Any takeaways from that game or anything else on Wild Card Weekend? Um, I wasn't. I wasn't quite as down on the weekend as as Dan was. I was was disappointed with the Ravens. They, of course, they they uh, gave us some excitement there at the end, but uh, just just wonder why they didn't play with some of that. Uh, I don't know, some of that mentality throughout the entire game, I guess. I, I'm not sure how they were able to, to flip that switch late. But regardless, uh, I was glad to see three close games. That that made it fun. And I, I don't know if you guys do any playoff leagues. Actually, Dan, I, I know you do. But I didn't do any playoff leagues or play any DFS. So it was nice to just sit back and enjoy the games as a fan and, and not as a fantasy player. Yeah, I played in one fantasy playoff league. I stacked up both. It was a super flex one, actually. I stacked stacked up Watson and Nuke and Luck and Hilton, and it, it was okay. I thought that would maybe be the highest scoring game of the weekend, uh, but uh, those, those those top producers on those teams didn't really do it for me. Dan, how was your playoff matchups? Uh, I do some some full playoff leagues, a couple of those, and and was heavily invested in Ravens because I thought they were cheap and they were easy to get and they'd make a run and get three or four games. And, and so those aren't going to work out all that well. And the, the weekly, the one use single use stuff I was in on luck uh, because I didn't figure in, and, and the Colts, same thing. I thought it would be a high scorer and figured I wouldn't use him again necessarily in Kansas city. So 
not too bad fantasy wise. Just just wish those Ravens would have come through. It's disappointing. <laughs> you know, the only one I, I I felt really good about. I I thought the Colts would go to Houston and win, and they did. So it started off so good, and ended so poorly. I actually thought about leading in the show singing uh, San Diego Superchargers, that song, if you guys know that theme song from back in the 80s. But uh, I, I decided to spare you guys all, all of that, especially since I'm a little bit under the weather here. But let's get into our episode, guys. Um, we're going to do talk about – we have three segments this week, and we're going to talk about some players and how we felt about them in 2018 and how we think we feel about them going into 2019. And honestly, segment three is going to be players that – we're kind of confused about what to do with this offseason. So uh, our first segment here, and I'll throw it to you first, Dan. Uh, we're going to talk about some players who disappointed in 2018, but who you still believe in for 2019 and beyond. And, and if you're going to actively buy these guys, maybe give us a little bit of a price tag of what you might be willing to pay. We'll go round robin here. Everybody will throw out one name. We'll discuss it and, and keep going. So, Dan, let's start it off with you. Yeah, the, you know, when this question was po- posed to us, I thought to myself, who are the guys that really jump off, you know? And, and honestly, I, I couldn't think of very many immediately. I had to go look at a list of players and, and really start digging, digging in those disappointments that you, that you are happy to own still, or maybe even looking to add. And as I went through a list of players, the guy who jumped off the most to me, and we talked about him a lot last week was Mike Gusecki. And, you know, for all the reasons we talked about that, it's a rookie tight end and they take a while to develop. And although he, he didn't make that big splash play and and didn't really um, jump off the screen for any dynasty owner that watched the dolphins this year and had high expectations for the rookie tight end, all those things still exist. And all those things from Penn state that, that had him number one on my tight end list during rookie draft season are still there. So I'm, I'm still happy to own Gusecki in all the places that I have. I'm not really that sure that I would be actively buying like you talked about there, Matt, though. Uh, maybe, perhaps it's just because I own him in so many places already, but I'm I'm certainly not thinking of adding him in more, and if I only had him in one or two, I'm not, not so sure that I'm confident enough to be adding him throughout my whole uh, list of leagues. Uh, one guy that, that stood out for me is uh, another player that we talked about last week, Taewon Taylor, uh, the Titans a uh, young receiver that we got into it last week, just how, how disappointing the Titans offense was. And, and Dan and I were actually talking before the show. Maybe this all comes down to Marcus Mariota, just not being what we thought he would be. Uh, so, so that could certainly be part of the issue. Sounds like we, we have some, some news that they're going to be looking at another change at their offensive coordinator. So we'll, we'll see what that brings. Uh, but regardless, I still like Taewon Taylor's talent, uh, and he's certainly cheap in Dynasty after uh, two years of not putting up very big numbers. So he, he's still a guy I would be investing in and taking a shot. I think you can probably get him for a third rounder in, in, in some shallow leagues. He's probably on the waiver wire. Yeah, um, I just don't think Marcus Mario is very good. 
<laughs> I think, uh, I, I don't know if we can say that for sure. I know he had that elbow injury early on, nerve damage and stuff like that, but he just hasn't been great under, you know, everybody said uh, it's Jeff Fisher, it's his, his offense. Uh, uh, that's no good. You know, uh, it's, it's Mike Malarkey, it's his offense. It's, that, it's no good. Now we have somebody who's from the Sean McVay system and, and, and he still wasn't that good. So maybe it was that it was a new, another, uh, his third new system and as many years as he's been in, in the NFL, but uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not a believer. I'm happy that I've shipped off all of my Mariota shares. And Taewon Taylor, I, I do like the talent, but that just situation just seems bad. Uh, Dan, any thoughts on Taylor? Yeah, I, I couldn't. I kind of agree with both of you. Um, all the Mariota talk, I've, I've, I've not been a fan for quite a while and really question if he's even an average or, or even a starting level quarterback. Are we even that sure that he's a top 20 or even a top 32 quarterback in the league? He doesn't take anybody to the next level. They put players around him already, including Corey Davis, who many of us were excited about. We, we like the running back group at times that has been in Tennessee and, you know, quality tight ends have gone through there. It's, it, it's more about Mariota. So whether they're going to stick with him long term, whether he gets another year or beyond that, or they're going to start looking at other options, we don't have that information. And, and like Ryan said, there's going to be a different offensive coordinator. Maybe that guy can unlock the potential that Mariota had coming out. And that's going to trickle down to the rest of the roster, including Taewon Taylor. I like the talent as well. I've always felt like he was that shifty slot receiver, and some feel like he's that deep threat. Maybe he's a mixture of both, and, and we just don't have the right pieces in place to make him realize that potential. I hope he does at some point. I have him on a lot of my rosters and would still be interested in adding him if other owners are, are ready to give up on him because if the if the right uh, pieces are in place, including that offensive coordinator and, the, and a quarterback that can deliver the ball to him, I think he could be at least a wide receiver three and maybe even beyond that for us dynasty owners. I will throw out another wide receiver here, Marvin Jones, a little bit of an older guy, uh, ADP coming in at uh, 85 overall. Um, a guy who suffered injuries, uh, got kind of taken over by Kenny Galladay. He wasn't uh, Matt Stafford's you know, go-to guy in Golden Tate until he got moved. Um, but honestly, once Tate and Jones were gone, it seemed like Galladay struggled a little bit with that top coverage uh, from the other from the defense's number one cornerback. So it's almost like Galladay needs Marvin Jones a little bit. So I think in 2019, we're really going to see those two kind of play off each other. Maybe one one week it's Marvin Jones, the next week it's Galladay, back and forth like that. So I still like the the the, the cost there. I think I can still get him probably for a mid uh, mid to late second, maybe even a late second at this point. Honestly, um, just play off of that age, play off that age factor a little bit um so he's one guy i'm gonna buy uh i'll throw it back to ryan now for another uh, one of his guys yeah the next guy i want to talk about is david Njoku. uh i, I was really disappointed by his uh, performance this season we all saw what the browns were able to do and uh, just became one of those uh, teams that that everybody almost seemed to be cheering for with so many young players and of course, the coaching change and kind of everything seemed to be going their way, but that wasn't the case with Njoku, uh, who who really just disappeared at times, and that was true before Baker Mayfield took over and and with Mayfield um, under center. So I'm not quite sure what to make of his struggles this year, Njoku's struggles, but I, again, I still believe in the talent. 
the the tricky part with him is everybody seems to still believe in his talent. He's he's not cheap. Uh, I think at the very cheapest, uh, you might be able to buy him for an early second, but that's probably best case scenario. And, and in most cases, he's probably still going to cost a late first, and I'd probably just uh, stick with the shares I have at that price. Yeah, that price is a little bit high for me as well. And, you know, we've kind of created this beast with the tight end position in Dynasty. We all are, are I think we're all disappointed in how Njoku played and certainly how useful he was for us as Dynasty owners. But, you know, you continue to look at rankings and ADP and you see him among those top five at the position because of his age and that potential still exists. It's kind of a make or break year for Njoku uh, in 2019. And we'll see, you know, if he's able to be a part of what the Browns are doing there and how big a part he'll be if he if he keeps that pot- potential tag or if he if he kind of moves into that. Well, he's not quite the guy that that we expected him to be coming out. And, and now that he's with this offense that we all expect big things from the guy that I have as my second player who disappointed this past season but still believe in going forward is John Brown. I'm a, I am was a Brown supporter last offseason when he moved from Arizona to Baltimore. And, of course, he, he had that big start to the season, and all of us were pretty excited about the potential he had in that offense until Lamar Jackson took over under center. And, man, he, he didn't do much in those last seven or eight games with Jackson. Before that, though, caught four touchdowns and – and uh, had 34 catches for 601 yards in those first nine weeks, but after only caught eight passes. And, and anybody relying on Brown uh, after the hot start to his season really was disappointed and I think could could drive that price tag way, way low this offseason. He's going to be a free agent again, so we'll see where he ends up. If he gets attached to a quarterback or an offense that spreads the ball around, can use that deep threat, uh, a guy that's speedy and, and knows how to use that speed on underneath and intermediate routes as well, he could be a big bargain this coming off season. So he's a guy I'm buying. It seems like you should be able to get him on your roster for that second-round pick. Uh, and I'll gladly send a second, especially if I was a playoff team this past season, to get John Brown um, at him on every roster I can. Yeah, I really like that one, Dan. He was producing, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was producing really well, and it tailed off a little bit. And then once Lamar Jackson took over, he pretty much cratered. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm still a believer in him and the talent. You know, hopefully he stays away from high altitude and, and high temperature locations that can set off that uh, that sickle cell trait that he has. And the thing about um, Ryan, that, it, you know, more than anything, maybe he stayed healthy all season. And that, that's the biggest thing we were looking for from Brown. The fact that he did that should give Dynasty owners uh, a little bit of good graces or, or feel a lot better about him going forward. Yeah, Ryan, any thoughts on John Brown? Uh, otherwise, give us your next guy that you was disappointed in 2018. Yeah, I thought Brown had a nice season, uh, obviously, especially the beginning of the season. And uh, he's just been a player I've typically avoided because of the injuries. Uh, he, he did come into the league uh, older than most of the other rookies in his class, so he's already, uh, I, I think, 28 or so. While some some of the other guys in that class are still 24, 25 years old. So typically, a player I've avoided I've always been more expensive than maybe I wanted to pay. But 
with that ADP now outside of the top 100 due to this uh, this late season slowdown with Jackson at quarterback, I think he's he's certainly affordable and a, a new landing spot could be good news for him. The last guy I had was a, a rookie. It, honestly, it kind of feels like a little bit of, of a layup or maybe cheating with some of the recent news. But James Washington, uh, Steelers rookie. I mean, at this point, I'm just investing in any wide receiver the Steelers draft with with the history that they've shown there, turning second-day picks into <laughs> superstars, essentially. Uh, we'll see if Washington can reach that level. Didn't didn't produce nearly as much as I thought he might, uh, even with with Brown and and Juju there this year. But had had some flashes, and and obviously, if if the Steelers were to move on from Antonio Brown, then then Washington would see a huge opportunity, uh, and he's a guy I would want at this point on every dynasty team I have. What do you think it's going to cost to to get him right now? Can you get him for an early second still? Uh, probably that's probably the kind of similar situation to the Njoku deal. Like I think that's that's your best case is to buy yeah. him for a, for an early second. And I mean, given the depth of the 2019 class, Ryan, would, do you think he would still kind of slot if he was to say he was coming out in the 2019 class? Would you think that he would still slot at the end of the first round there? So let's say you had to pay the 112. Is that a price you'd be willing to pay? Probably so. I mean, looking at that class and some of the some of the players that uh, we expect to see at the end of the first round. Uh, I like him. That that perspective is is tough to to have a year later, but I, I feel like I I liked him as much a year ago as I do some of these late first rounders, early second rounders now. So yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. Dan, you have one more running back, I believe, correct? Yeah, the last guy I chose was Duke Johnson, and it's not because I'm I'm far and away like banging the table to add Duke Johnson to your teams, but. I, it feels to me like a change with this coaching staff and and with all the weapons already in place there. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of dynasty owners are thinking to themselves, there's just not enough footballs to go around for Duke Johnson to get what he got in 2017 when he had that big season and, and had 80-plus carries and 70-plus and catches. But dropping all the way to 40 carries and 47 catches in 2018 seems too far. And, and – from what I see around uh, throughout the season, and, and especially now that the 2018 season has ended, there is a lot of a lot of dynasty owners souring on Duke Johnson, and and in PPR leagues, we've seen that he can be really uh, useful, and and especially in in deep leagues with deep starting lineups, he fits into that flex spot really good, and has in the past. So uh, with his price plummeting and and such a poor season when he. I believe, if I remember right, I think I heard that he only got 10-plus touches in one game this past season, which just isn't enough for a guy that can move around and has shown that he can make big plays with the football in his hands. So I know Nick Chubb's there, and he's going to get a big, big load in 2019 and beyond, but it seems to me that Duke Johnson has a role there. He's signed through 2020. He's going to be in Cleveland, and he's that second guy at the very least – He's the kind of guy that you want in place in case Nick Nick Chubb goes down with anything because Duke Johnson can fill a role for you. And I believe with that with that price tag dropping, uh, it's getting to the point where where you can get him for super cheap. Yeah, he's I think definitely worth investing in. I mean, my my ideal scenario would be for him to get traded somewhere else. But he's a guy we've seen catch sixty balls before in, in, a, in a season, and with 
pass catching running backs we've seen the last couple of years being really one of the biggest edges that NFL offenses have throwing to those guys on early downs it seems like he still has you know quite a bit of work to do in the NFL um, I'll throw out my last two guys for you you guys to toss around uh, Dalvin Cook um, coming in at 27th overall in January's unpublished ADP right now. Um, somebody who was coming off of a, a you know an ACL from last season. Uh, came in at, at running back 31 overall from a point standpoint, but from a points per game if you're factoring those injuries. Running back 17. So and I think his, his, his upside is much higher than that still. If I can get him for, you know, I, I don't know if it, even the 101 would get him in this upcoming class with how down people are, but if I can get him for, say, two late, mid to late seconds or two random se- sorry, two mid to late first or, or random first round picks, uh, that kind of thing, I'd, somebody I'd still be willing to invest in. And then Evan Ingram, you know, Again, a, a guy that uh, last season produced very well. A lot of people say, and, and maybe there's, I'm sure there's certainly some truth to it, is the fact that Odell Beckham and all those other weapons were gone. That's why Ingram kind of did what he did. But I think towards the end of, of this past season, 2018, we saw him, that talent really start to shine through again. And, and, and I guess, again, some of it was when OBJ was gone, but I think he can be the go-to guy in the offense and maybe with a better quarterback that, and, a, and a better offensive system that he can really shine there. So any thoughts on those two guys? Or otherwise, we'll move on to segment too. Yeah, I like the Ingram call for sure. Um, again, kind of feels like in that Njoku territory as far as value and and really situation with so many other mouths to feed on that roster, uh, but still still a believer in him. I'm not quite as sold on Dalvin Cook, honestly. He he might be in in the category of a player I would be looking to sell based on that name value this offseason. The thing is with Cook, finding that price point where you're willing to sell, and, and you know Matt mentioned maybe maybe you could buy for a couple of mid firsts or something like that. I'm not 100% sold that that most Delvin Cook owners would sell him even for that, even considering the season that he had and the injuries keep kind of stacking up. So I, I'm a seller as well, and if you know. I kind of cringe at, at getting offered the fifth and seventh pick and think to myself, man, there's a lot of supporters out there. I think I could do better. Fair enough. Uh, let's move on to segment two. This is kind of the reverse of, of what we just did. This time we're looking for players that actually did perform well in 2018, but for whatever reason, you're still not believing in them for their future. And again, if you're actively selling, what is your price tag? So we'll go back to you right right away, Dan. Uh, who's your first guy that falls into this category? I, I don't know if this might be cheating as well, uh, but because I'm going to take Sony Michelle, and he is the, the most obvious sell to me among all players, whether it's rookies or, or anybody else. Um, I, I just really did, didn't like what he did. If you watch the Patriots play, and everybody obviously does, you've you got to say, wow, wow, he looks good. Wow, running the ball. And then you look at the stats, and he, he doesn't even get targeted. He's not even a, a part of that passing game. Um, when you factor in the age and, and the injury history with him as well, it, it's just way too many red flags for me. So... I guess unless you're playing in a standard league that doesn't allow PPR scoring, maybe he moves up just a little bit. And I think I wrote about this in the rookie report card a couple of weeks ago when we featured Michelle. I didn't even realize how poorly his fantasy finishes were despite looking really good and getting 16 and 18 and 20 carries a game and and posting 100-yard games. That's just not enough 
to support the 37th spot in ADP, which is where he currently is in January. So if I can get that kind of um, return by selling Sony Michelle, I'm doing it in a heartbeat because I just don't see a path to him suddenly be, being that pass catcher with James White already there and, and the history of that Patriots uh, coaching staff and even their front office talk using specialists in that role and, and, and allowing other running backs to be the, the ground guys like Michelle obviously is in their eyes. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Michelle call. I don't know if he would be my number one sell, but he is definitely definitely on the list for me. I'm worried about the roles in, in that offense, worried about the knee injury. Just, just too many concerns. Um, like uh, one of the other players, like John Brown that I talked about earlier, he's also, uh, Michelle is also older than most of the players in his class. So <laughs> I, I like I like moving on from Michelle this offseason. Uh, the, the first player I had was Derrick Henry. I think this is another easy one. Uh, just We saw that late season explosion. We already talked about the Titans changes. Uh, at offense, our offensive coordinator that are going to be coming up with the recent uh, move there, and honestly, Henry's just not a player I've I've ever believed in or trusted. We saw this late season burst a year ago. We I think we saw it two years ago, and it's just always been fool's gold. So, so both of these guys are about in the same range, forty fifth overall for Henry, Sony Michelle around thirty seven. Are, are you guys looking for say a mid first for these guys at this point? It seems to me that Michelle could could bring even more than that, just because that's about what you were getting a year a year ago or, or giving to get Michelle a year ago, and I think in most dynasty owners' eyes. He's seen as have having a a quality rookie season and is more valuable than than he was a year ago. I obviously don't feel that way, and Ryan doesn't sound like he does either. So I think you can shoot even a little bit higher than that. Maybe you get the mid first, but some kind of sweetener on top of it. Yeah, I think you can get probably more than that for Michelle and less than that for Henry. I, I still think you're looking at late first round range for Henry. That's what I've been selling at. I've sold a couple of Henry shares for a late first, so um, that sounds about right. Um, I will throw out uh, the other Patriot running back who just destroyed the early part of the season in James White, and, and we were recommending on this podcast, and I'm sure myself and some of you guys too also were able to capitalize on that and, sell, and get kind of a late first for him. Uh, you certainly can't get that now <laughs> with, with, the, with the second half of the season he had. You know, It was kind of the perfect storm of, of Michelle being hurt and Burke get going out and really white was the only guy there so he just uh he killed it for us early on with all those touchdowns and we knew that wasn't sustainable so uh at this point you certainly i don't think you can get that late first anymore if you can get an early second i'd probably be looking to sell at that range but honestly i think he's back to that point where it's maybe not even worth selling it is, it is worth you know just keeping on your roster as a bye week or injury fill in you know because he's got he's going to have that safe ppr floor for us but but, but probably not that upside anymore uh, Dan, your thoughts on him and, and give us your next guy. So everything we learned so far over the last few minutes is nothing's really changed. Don't trust a Patriots <laughs> tailback. <laughs> or just pick the right one, I guess, None at the right really point in the, the season. None of value that everybody kind of thinks they do or, or thinks they should. Uh, nothing's changed in that light, I guess. The next guy for me is Chris Carson. And this one, I don't have the 
the huge reason why Chris Carson is a guy I'm leery about, and leery I think is a really good word for him. It's it's more of a gut feeling, I, it, lack of trust, um, and maybe it's just because of how he came into the league as a seventh round pick and and how questionable he was as a rookie when he started taking over a little bit of a role and and he was the last guy available a little bit last year. So he was the last guy standing and got the opportunities. And then this year he wasn't supposed to do anything and, and obviously worked his way into a workhorse role and looked really good, especially down the stretch, stacking those touchdowns and carrying the Seahawks and dynasty owners uh, and help helping, helping a lot of fantasy owners win titles this season all that said, I, I still don't feel that great about his role and with with Penny already there and what they have invested into him. It feels to me like they're going to give him an opportunity or a bigger opportunity. Um, Carson looks good, and Carson is a, is a really good player. Uh, I believe that. But I don't know if the opportunity continues to be there. And, and I, it just feels to me that we just saw his best season. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong. But for some reason, I don't feel like I am. No, I think I think you're right. He's another player I would be looking to sell. My only issue with selling him is I'm just not sure, even with the season he had, especially the last month or so, I'm not sure he carries all that much dynasty value. I don't think you can get a first-rounder for him, for sure. Right. I, you know, I question if you can even get that early or mid-second-rounder. So he... He might be one of those guys we just kind of have to hang on to, or maybe you uh, put him in, in a package deal to uh, improve a starting spot or, or move up in the draft, something like that. The next guy I had is uh, another one of this year's big surprises, Philip Lindsay. He's, he's another player we've talked about quite a bit on here. We talked about him last week. Uh, just, just still some concerns with, this, with his size for me, honestly. Uh, if they had actually used him more as a pass catcher this year, I think I would feel better about that. Uh, but this is yet another team that's going to have some changes uh, at the coaching staff, and, and we'll see what that brings. Uh, it, I, I can't imagine any coach would not like what they saw from Lindsey. He was such a hard runner, but the size, this late-season injury, I think he's essentially overvalued at this point. So if I can get out uh, kind of what his current ADP is, he's – He's 44 overall. We talked about Derrick Henry at 45 overall. If I can get a late first, I'll take that. I have a little bit of trouble taking a, taking a late first. I, I, in fact, I kind of feel like it would take high first value for me to sell, but I, I have a little bit more of a glass half full look at, at Lindsey and what he can contribute. I, I really feel like he is one of those Tariq Cohen type players that doesn't need all those touches to be productive for dynasty owners. And it feels like any coach that walks in those doors and takes that job looks at that roster and says Philip Lindsay is one of the most dynamic players on our roster and a guy that I need to get those touches to. And and even if that guy decides 10 to 12 is enough, I think that could be enough for dynasty owners. So it would take more for me to sell. And, you know, I, I probably would be buying, especially considering this coming year's class for a late first round pick. 
He's a tough one. Honestly, he could have gone in our, our third segment, which is players we don't know what to do with for me because I, I'm really on the fence here. Like, I feel like the smart move is to sell him because of the things that Ryan said, the coaching staff change, uh, Royce Freeman is still there, more draft capital invested in him, and the fact that we've seen uh, – I mean, just look at Chris Carson we just talked about. These undrafted guys, yeah. they just kind of they kind of top out, and then their dynasty value just goes away if, if they lose touches for a year. So if for some reason he fall, fades to the background next season, we could be looking at a complete free fall in his value. So I think I'm leaning more on Ryan's side, but I love the player, man. I want to keep him. I want him on my roster. I just, from a value standpoint, I think maybe now is the time to get out. Uh, I'll go back to running back position. This one might be a little bit controversial because I think he's currently running back 10 in our in our uh, uh, ADP, and that's James Conner, um, 18th overall in, in January ADP. I don't know, man. I, I loved him coming out. Like I love the story. Uh, but for some reason, again, I just... I feel like his value is going to fall. I don't think that he's going to be the only game in town. Maybe it is him and Samuels going forward, but uh, I don't know. I, and this is, again, like you said, Dan, a gut feeling. I just I don't feel good about his value going forward and him being the, the sole producer for Pittsburgh there. So uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Are you guys believing in Connor? I think we're, we're all saying the same types of things, that, and maybe we're a little bit too into draft capital or I shouldn't speak for you guys, at, le- at least maybe I am. Um, and, and I kind of sound like a hypocrite because I talk about Carson and his seventh-round value and then flip to the other side of the argument with Philip Lindsay. And, and I think Connor is the guy right in between, maybe, uh, because his value is so high and entered the league as, as a mid-round draft pick. So, um, you know, he he had the that dynamic season and – and like you, Matt, I love the story as well, but I have that uneasy feeling as well about it. And I think his is created more because that ADP is so high. And we're starting to talk about him as a mid-second round startup pick. And, and those are guys that we build on long term. Those, those aren't just flash-in-the-pan type players. And, and to this point, it has been just one season, and, and the production has been great. But we don't know how that's going to hold up over over a three or four year span, and and especially buying running backs early, you you like all the boxes to be checked, and um, not that he didn't do that in his one year as the the focused on and, and highlighted guy in that offense, but it it obviously gives me an uneasy feeling seeing that number uh, like a top ten running back associated with Connor. I just feel we've peaked. I think his value has peaked, and unless you see him getting up into that top five, I just see that. Think that's so hard to do. Uh, I don't know. It feels like if you're going to get out now, tonight now is the optimal time. The thing that stands out, or I guess that worries me a little bit with Connor, is actually what we saw in the news today that the Steelers let go of their running back coach James Saxon. And I mean, we've talked about the Steelers running backs for years. You know, of course, it's been Le'Veon Bell the majority of that time, but it was it was a washed up D'Angelo Williams who looked like the best running back in the league for for a few weeks at a time, and and it's been James Conner. It was it was Jalen Samuels for a couple weeks with huge games. Uh, we knew some type of shakeup was coming in Pittsburgh. I don't I don't get what would cause them to change make a change at the running back uh, on the running back coaching staff, but. Um, with him gone, to me, it's fair to, to question any Steelers running back as far as their value and or if they're being overvalued in Dynasty. 
Dan, did you have uh, one more guy for us? Yeah, the last guy I had a, might be a controversial too, I guess. I chose Lamar Jackson, so another another rookie. And it's not because I don't like watching him play, and it's not because I don't like him as a player. In fact, I, I love investing in Lamar Jackson in a redraft league or having him having him in your weekly leagues. But I think in Dynasty, it's a completely different game. Uh, and, and the risk of him getting in, injured is so great with the way he plays. And we saw it on Sunday in the in the first quarter, especially he took off and ran, and rather than stepping out of bounds, after already having got the, the first down, which was the primary objective of him running on third down, he lowered his shoulder and took on a safety and, and took a hit that really wasn't necessary, and that's, that's how he plays full time. And while it's fun to watch, as a dynasty owner, you have to – place that in your assessment of his value and we're already talking about him as a a a top 10 quarterback in our adp and in in many rankings on dlf and in other places that do dynasty rankings so when when you're talking about investing that much into a player it seems like that risk reward is should be weighted heavily and I don't know if Dynasty owners are. I, I, I feel like there's a window coming in this offseason that Dynasty owners are going to get hit a peak where that ADP will continue to rise. The value of selling him will become level with elite quarterbacks. And if I can get elite quarterback uh, return in, uh, in trade for Lamar Jackson, who has not proven that yet, and we're unsure how his type of game will hold up over an entire career. I'm taking that in a heartbeat. It's a snap except for me. Yeah, I've, I've got some thoughts on Jackson for sure as well. Um, I'll save those for right now, at least Uh, the last guy I had was Austin Hooper. He had a, had a great season, easily the best season of his career finished as the tight end six, uh, but I think a lot of that was just a product of the kind of the wreckage that we saw at, at the tight end position this year with so many injuries and, and some of the most reliable players we've seen over the past few years taking a major step back. Um, so if, if I can sell Hooper really at all uh, based on that finish, I'm doing it, uh, flipping him for one of these younger tight ends. I think we talked about some of those guys last week. Uh, guys like Herndon um, and Ian Thomas uh, making that move for sure. And, and if I can get any second rounder, easily doing that. I definitely agree on Hooper for sure. Um, just he hasn't, I don't know, he just doesn't look, he doesn't look like a great player on film to me. And and I know, say what you want about film versus metrics and all this nonsense, but uh, it just, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen for him. I think he's perpetually going to be one of those you know, early tight end twos, back half tight end ones, and those guys are, are cheap to come by. So if you can get out on Hooper and get into somebody else from this class, class that has more uh, upside or, or maybe even someone just above him, maybe you can package Hooper and, and a pick for to get up to Hunter Henry if you're a believer in him, something like that. So definitely there. My last guy, too, is Eric Ebron, finished his tight end four on the season. Uh, I just, I, I know, I know he finally did it. We kept saying he was eventually going to do it and he finally did, but I really still think that a lot of that has to do with, with, uh, with Jack Doyle being hurt and injured for a majority of the second half of the season. 
Uh, when when Doyle was in there and healthy, he out-targeted him and, and out-produced him most of the time, maybe not in the touchdown department. Um, but I just I can't pay a, a tight end four to six price for, for Eric Ebron going forward. Uh, any thoughts on, on, on those last two players, Dan? I, I agree with both, um, especially Hooper, who just hasn't flipped the switch or taken the next step and all the things that we, we were looking for him to do over the last couple of years. Uh, with Ebron, I think there's still the potential for him to continue to put up those numbers and, and have nice seasons, especially in that offense with Andrew Luck. But the the main thing is how inconsistent he he was, and it seems like will continue to be. So um, while while both are, are players that other dynasty owners still really look forward to seeing and wanting, I, I really feel like I've moved on. And while Ebron is a fine guy to have, it feels like the value you can get for him is better than, than having him on your roster, especially on a week-to-week basis. All right, let's move on to our last segment. And this is some players that, at this point, I mean, I'm sure we'll solidify our feelings at some point this offseason, but right now we're just not really sure about what to do with. And I'll lead us off on this one. My first guy is Tyler Lockett. This is a player who he had seven targets in a game once, and other than that, he never saw more than six targets in a game. Yet uh, he scored uh, uh, six touchdowns in his first seven games, eight touchdowns in his first nine games. He scored 10 touchdowns overall in the season. Not really a guy that I peg as a huge touchdown producer. Uh, only one game over 100 yards, but it's just this it's kind of this unsustainable touchdown rate that he had this season has really kind of propped up his value and, and had him finish as, as wide receiver 18 on the season, uh, currently at 50th overall, so a top 50 player in, uh, in, uh, uh, in January ADP. What are your thoughts on, on Lockett, Dan and Ryan? We'll start with Dan. You know, Lockett was a guy I always felt had the potential to do what he did in 2018, and we just waited and waited and waited, and he couldn't stay healthy. And now maybe it was the coaching staff. Maybe it was he took his game to another level. It was certainly that he was able to stay on the field, and and maybe Baldwin's uh, slow start for sure and and inactivity for much of the season was a big factor in what, what kind of transpired in Seattle and I I like what he did and certainly uh think he has a lot of value for dynasty owners I feel like his name doesn't carry that same value that some other players would uh other guys if maybe he was a year younger if if uh if he came in drafted a little higher or whatever it may have been um it seems like if if other names would have put up the season that Tyler Lockett did everybody would be talking about him and while that ADP of 50 is is nice and, and it may be considered high for some players, I feel like that's just about right and is about the place where I feel comfortable investing in him. So, you know, young players that have 10 touchdown upside and play with a quarterback that most consider to be great, if not elite, uh, they're tough to come by, especially inside outside the top 25 or 30 in in startup drafts so so i really like lockett and feel like he's he's valued about where he should be um he's a guy that i would i would gladly talk to fellow owners about trying to acquire in a trade um because i feel like his name doesn't bring the same kind of uh excitement level in dynasty owners as others that are the same age and put up the same type of production Um, i agree with a lot of what you said dan lockett's 
and, and Matt. Lockett's season was impressive when you look at his end-of-year numbers, and he had some nice fantasy finishes, but it's hard to see that consistency there with, with the lack of targets. And I've, I've ended up with almost all these players talking about their coaches and their coaching staff. Seattle, I think, is, is one place we would like to see a change on the, uh, at the offensive coordinator position, but I don't think we will. So I, I kind of expect to see a repeat in 2019 of, of their offense this year with uh, limited uh, passing opportunities and, and, that could be another similar season for Lockett, but maybe without that touchdown production. So um, if I had to choose buy or sell, he he would probably fall in that sell category for me right now. It's just tough to to see him getting a ton of volume in that run-based offense. You know, it's a similar problem in in Dallas with everybody that's not named Cooper. So until Baldwin moves on uh, and and he's the true wide receiver one there, if he ever is the true wide receiver one, you know, they could certainly bring in somebody that fits that mold a little bit better. Um, So, yeah, I think I'm on the sell path, but uh, it's cautious because I do like the player a lot, like Dan said, but uh, it's just tough with this position. Ryan, who's your first guy that you're not really sure what to do with this season? For me, it's a receiver as well, Cortland Sutton. Uh, of course, the rookie from the Broncos. Uh, I spent all last offseason, or I guess once he, he was drafted by Denver, expecting and, and talking about a, a redshirt year for him in 2018, and that was not the case at all. Uh, he, was, he was pretty much thrown into the fire, at, especially after the Demarius Thomas trade, and then later in the season we saw the injury to Emmanuel Sanders, unfortunately, and and many people there for the last five or six weeks of the season expected Sutton to to really boom and, and to be that wide receiver one for the Broncos, and that wasn't the case at all, uh, not even close, actually. He he really struggled to, to catch the ball. He didn't see wide receiver one-type targets in most cases. So he's a guy I was on board with throughout that draft process and, uh, and has that – I guess prototypical wide receiver one frame. He's got the opportunity, should be the, the top targeted guy on his team, but he, he didn't even come close to showing it. So he, he's also a top 50 player coming in at 47 overall in our uh, new ADP, and that feels a little rich at this point. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about Sutton is it wouldn't feel so rich if he would have made that one big play or, or one or two big plays that we all kind of expected, especially after getting that big, uh, that big opportunity that you talked about. And the disappointment week in and week out there for a few weeks is going to linger and, and keep dynasty owners from, from really jumping all in. I, I believe that that 47 ADP certainly suggests that people are willing to look beyond what he did once Thomas, or, or I guess what he didn't do once Thomas moved on. The guy for me with this, uh, in this section, I guess the, the guy that jumps out the most of players that I, I'm not sure about what to do with this offseason is Antonio Brown, and all the reasons are really obvious. We, everybody's talking about it, and it, you know the reports that he's going to be traded. I think that would be a, a mistake for the Steelers uh, and and probably not a great thing or, or, or the ideal situation for dynasty owners. All those things factor in, but we've also reached that, that point where we got to decide if we're going to go down with the ship with Antonio Brown 
or or try to get what we can before while well, the getting's good. And and his ADP of thirteen in January suggests that owners are still giving that elite price tag or at least semi elite price tag for Antonio Brown and coming off a fifteen touchdown season in fifteen games, including a hundred plus catches and nearly thirteen hundred yards, there's no reason to to feel like it's evident that a fall off is coming. But like I said, he's already 30 and will be 31 before the 2019 season kicks off. So I don't know if any news breaking that, that a trade is imminent or has even happened, what that would do. I suppose it would it would factor in what team he goes to, what offense he's playing in, which quarterback is delivering him the ball. But all those things make my head spin. So he's the obvious choice of, of I'm not sure what to do with Antonio Brown as 2019 or at least the 2019 season approaches? I think the easy answer for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, Dan, is to sell. Um, Now, that's not to say that Brown won't continue to be uh, a high-level producer, uh, no matter if he's traded or not. But given the age, given these these concerns that that are popping up all of a sudden, why not go ahead and cash out if you can get a, a player that's producing at a similar level now, uh, or, or even if it's, uh, you know, less production over the next couple of years, but you're, you're buying back some years. I really don't see why you wouldn't sell at this point, given he's still uh, kind of in that range of late first round, early second round in dynasty startups. This is interesting because I, I, I kind of feel the opposite a little bit and the fact that all of this drama is depressing his value. At he, we just saw him fall out of the first round. I don't know how long it's been since that's happened, Ryan, but I, I imagine since before you started collecting ADP. So. Eh, it was last month, actually. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay, in December? Yeah, well, it, uh, well it's, it's been a, a kind of a couple months coming, but, this, but I do agree that this is, this is pushing his value down. If you look at some recent trades, it's – it's not what you would have gotten a month ago. That's for sure. So, so I mean, given that, I just – it depends. Let, let, let's play a little bit of game then. Are you taking I'm, – I'm, I'm guessing both of you are taking Juju over him at this point. Yes. Let's, let, let, let's keep going Absolutely. down. Mike Evans. Mike Evans, easy taking over him? I think so. I believe so as well. Uh, Joe Mixon. I would want Joe Mixon as well. Yep. How about Adam Thielen? The line gets a little closer. It's a, it's a quite a bit tighter there. I think I prefer Brown in that case. I, I do too. Uh, if you, Thielen was the 24th player drafted in our January ADP, so you're talking about late second round. And, of course, Brown is a guy I've been uh, thinking about a lot, just trying to assess his value lately, and, and I'm sure a lot of dynasty owners have as well. And I was thinking the other day I wouldn't take him – in the top two rounds, if I'm doing a dynasty startup right now, I, I would prefer him to Thielen, but even b- behind Thielen, you've got some guys that I think are close, uh, l- like Amari Cooper and Brandon Cooks, that I would consider those guys even uh, over Brown. How about Galladay? Brown. I would want Brown. Yeah, I just, it's it's so hard. I get, the guys on the trade cast brought up that, I mean, it, it, it 
kind of in passing and not really believing that it will happen, but certainly an, a possibility would be that, that he decides to, you know, he's, he's living this life where he doesn't want to have anybody tell him what to do. Maybe he just retires. And I, I don't think that's a possibility, but I, I, I bet it's a non-zero chance uh, at some point. He, he does seem like a guy who is, who wants to compete and wants to break all the records and everything. But also, I mean, what else does he really have left to prove? He's proven that he's been the best wide receiver in the league throughout his career. He's, uh, you know, he, what else does he have left to prove? So that's certainly an option in the back of people's minds, I think. Ryan, um, who's your next guy? Next guy I have is Tevin Coleman. Uh, obviously a player that it feels like we've talked about him almost weekly since Jarek McKinnon signed his contract, he got that label as the next Jarek McKinnon looking forward to his free agency this, uh, this off season. And uh, of course the season didn't pan out as, as many might have thought it would, especially if we had been given that knowledge that Devonte Freeman would miss a bunch of the year. Uh, it, to me, it was a major disappointment uh, for Coleman. And I, I just wonder how much of a market he's even going to have. Maybe a weak running back draft class helps him a little bit, but we've already seen teams be pretty unwilling to, to give big contracts to, uh, to running backs in general. So, uh, I, you know, if he does get a nice contract, if he lands in a nice situation, then obviously his value changes quickly, but we've seen it dropping uh, consistently over the past few months. Tevin Coleman was a guy I wanted to add to this to my list as well, but you beat me to him, Ryan. I think he's one of the obvious ones of the offseason, and I was banging the table a year ago even, saying we're only a year away from Tevin Coleman and, and that he's going to get his chance, and it seemed like he got his chance and, and really dropped the ball, uh, no pun intended. Uh, he, he, he had a lot of trouble, and when, when he was getting outshadowed or outtouched, by Ito Smith, I think that's a really big sign of what to expect. You know, he's got Le'Veon Bell in free agency in front of him, as well as a few other veteran running backs that that will, you know, get jobs somewhere. I don't think he's he's going to get a prime contract. It, it feels like a prove-it thing to me, and I'm especially leery. Now, I bought him in a couple of places early in the season or as the season approached, and I regret those moves already. I'm, I'm actually thinking about getting out while I can, um, just kind of continuing to hope for that one sliver of good news that might might increase his value here this offseason. That's really why I put him on this list, because I, I have some of those some of those same feelings that if, if I've got him on a roster, I'm just going to go ahead and cash out now and, and avoid the free agency you know, circus of trying to figure out where he might land and, and waiting to see if he even gets a, a starter's uh, job or a starter's level contract somewhere. But on the other hand, if he does, then like I said earlier, that value will, will really skyrocket. We saw it happen with McKinnon, and, and while Coleman doesn't have as far to climb as McKinnon did, uh, it, it would be obvious that uh, maybe a buy now and a sell later in the offseason could be could be the play, but uh, carry some risk with it. Yeah, I was recommending as soon as Freeman went out that Coleman, this is, I think this is going to be peak value. Everybody said he's going to take over and produce this amazing season and it just didn't happen. And now I think you're at the point where 
you if you don't want to just get out and be done with it like you said ryan i think you have to wait for that small bump that'll come uh, like you said it's not going to be as big as mckinnon got but uh, i'm sure he'll, he'll certainly get into the the fourth if not the third round and and redraft and and you know maybe into the fourth and, and dynasty value too so uh, that's probably the move right now Let, we're, we're running a little bit short on time but let's wrap up with one player here guys Corey davis uh, I just, I don't know. I have no idea for a lot of the reasons, same reasons we talked about with Taylor Taylor, the offense, the quarterback, uh, he hasn't really put together uh, a, a strong stretch of games. He's had, he's, he's had flashes, but, uh, not really enough to, to hold him at his current value at, at 41 overall for me, Dan, uh, what are your thoughts on Davis here? Yeah. When I saw this on the agenda, Matt, I mentioned, wow, he's he's a pretty obvious choice for not sure what to do, and, and Ryan agreed. So I highlighted it because all of us seem to agree that Davis is, is just kind of in that gray area for us, especially when you consider that ADP and all the upside and all the great things that everybody was saying of him coming out in the draft and, and that high ADP in rookie drafts. I'm I'm in agreement that a lot of it has to do with Mariota. I think I mentioned it earlier, and he he needs an accurate quarterback, a guy that's going to deliver the ball on time and and in those zones and you know all the strengths that he has. I don't know if they necessarily work well with what they have at quarterback. So um, you know if if he's going to catch those touchdowns on fades and and work those openings against zones. He needs a, a guy a guy delivering the ball with great timing and anticipation, and those aren't the strengths of Marcus Mariota. His lie in athleticism and playmaking on his own without without those receivers. So um, while I still love the the player in Corey Davis and, and obviously believe that the talent always rises to the top and it outweighs the situation you're in at some point, it's getting harder and harder to continue to be patient if you own him and it's, it's incredibly dif- difficult to pay that price tag if you're going to try to buy him. I totally agree. He was, we really saw him as a boom bust guy this season. He had a wide receiver four game. He had two games as the wide receiver five overall for the week. Uh, and obviously we like those outside of those three games. He didn't have another finish inside the top 20 and he had 11 games as the wide receiver 40 or worse uh, throughout the season. Uh, Essentially 11 games where he didn't even give you uh, a flex level production. Uh, And and that, I mean, that's just a a killer when you're looking at at week to, at a week to week game. Uh, His ADP at at 41 overall is a a little more, uh, a little more comfortable than it was maybe even six months ago or a year ago. He was creeping uh, into that second round range, second, third round range. So, I mean, he's, he's still essentially there, I guess, but he's, he's fallen a little bit. Looking at some of the receivers going right around him, Cooper Cup, Jarvis Landry, uh, DJ Moore, it, to me it's not even close with any of those guys. I'd, I'd easily prefer all of those players over Corey Davis. So this is another one that feels like an, an easy sell situation for me. Yeah, I want to get out now. I don't 
know necessarily what I can get. I think if you find if you're in a league where there's somebody that just really loves him, I mean, although I guess people that really love him probably they already have him on your roster. But for some reason, you're in one of those leagues where somebody's still a believer in him. I'm I'm getting out as well on Corey Davis. Uh, let's uh, wrap up, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. That'll do it for this week. Enjoy the divisional round of the playoffs, and we'll be back with you again next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. obviously really interested in talking about it. <laughs> Sorry. Forgot it was my turn. <laughs>